Good morning, afternoon, I guess it is technically. Welcome to the Snake River Lib Podcast. Thank you for listening. It is Monday. It's October, but yet feels like August here in Kansas. 87 or so for the high today, maybe even a little bit warmer, but cooler days ahead. Must be that global warming. How are you today? Thank you so much. I think I did say that, but I just wanted to reiterate it again because it makes a difference to me that people actually do listen. Um, we averted a government shutdown. I'm not sure how you feel about that. Good, bad, and different. At some point, we're going to have leadership in Washington. Well, I doubt we actually will, but it'd be wonderful if it, we had leadership in Washington that would take note of all these non-essential workers and begin to act on the fact that we have non-essential workers. You know, uh, the president, the, uh, the House passed a, a, a 45, 47-day CR uh, that will get us into November the theory, of course, is that they will pass uh, the regular order appropriations bills. Four of them are already not doing anything in the Senate, having already passed the House. Um, so eight to go. Of course, they pass the House. That means nothing. But it puts the ball in the Senate's. If the House could actually do it, and this is, again, I fault um, Speaker McCarthy because this should have been done months ago. And they need to make it very clear that there's not going to be a CR. There's not, Or you make the CR painful enough that it forces the Democrats in the Senate to actually deal with the spending bills. And perhaps that's what they should do is, yes, we'll pass a CR... Um, but it's, it's not going to be status quo. We're going to go into reduced, um, BS essentially. Senator Paul, Rand Paul, of course, has every year, he has the, uh, the annual, uh, um, waste airing of the grievances for Festivus. But, but uh, you know, there's billions, hundreds of billions of dollars in fraud and waste. This is what is acknowledged. And in reality, of course, we know that there are probably a drop in the bucket, that hundreds of billions of dollars is probably a drop in the bucket compared to what is actually going on in Washington as far as the, uh, uh, the money thing goes. But make, make a CR painful but functional. Force the Democrats to actually consider and, that, and say, look, we can run this whole year. And in fact, if Speaker McCarthy was just simply to extend the CR that they passed for the year, Democrats would not sign off on it. And it's not because there's the Ukraine funding is not in it. That's not why they wouldn't sign off on it. They wouldn't sign off on it because it is a painful CR. 
not painful to the federal employees that are showing up for work today because they get to, but it's going to be painful in that they're going to have to actually look at their budgets. There's a thing in Washington, uh, baseline budgeting, and this is where you get the art, the fights over spending increases and spending cuts. Baseline budgeting works this way. It takes the what the what each agency spent last fiscal year and based on cost of living or whatever they say okay we're going to add 8% to that and so that's the starting point so i i'm just making up the percentage but just bear with me so you have the 8% if you spend less than that that 8% increase then it's a spending cut. And so let's say you only, they build in 8%, but you only budget or appropriate for a 4% increase. That's a 50% spending cut in Washington speak. Now, mind you, they're still getting more money than they got last year. but not as much as what the baseline is. So this is something Vivek uh, Ramaswamy has said. He has a lot of really good ideas. Unfortunately, he also has a lot of authoritarian ideas, such as as uh, mandating uh, tests and you know mandating use of social media, which is the genie's out. You, nothing you can do about it now um, for minors. But so I'm a little bit leery about that, but I think that he's very wise. And we start with a, a zero budgeting where each agency, instead of saying, how are we going to spend that additional whatever percentage that we're going to be allotted? Instead of saying, how are we going to spend that? We're saying, justify your agency's existence. And it better be good. Because otherwise you're getting nothing. Tell me why I should fund you at all. I mean, to me, that's a great idea. I'll never fly. But again, these are ideas that unless you get a freedom-minded supermajority in the House and the Senate, not Republican, not conservative, but a freedom-minded majority in both houses and a freedom-minded president, those things are dead in the water. What else is going on? Oh, in Florida, a human trafficking ring rounded up over 200 people, including teachers and Disney workers, as well as illegals for human trafficking. Imagine that. Shocking, isn't it? Very interesting development in the presidential race. Um, well, sort of in the presidential race. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who has been running 
as a Democrat. He has essentially said he is not going to be running as a Democrat anymore. However, that does not mean he's not running. In fact, he has indicated that he's going to probably run third party. Who does that hurt? Who does that help? Yeah, that's tricky. You know, he's real big on the border. Actually, he talks that way. And he's real big on the freedom regarding vaccinations and such. In fact, he's kind of on the other extreme, believes that vaccinations cause autism, which they've they've essentially proven that that is probably not the case. But there are a lot of people that believe that. But remember... RFK Jr. is a progressive. And so my question is this, is he the independent candidate that can break the duopoly, the two-party system in Washington? I mean, we know that Trump, as a Republican, wasn't able to break the two-party system, even though you know, when it came to Donald Trump, there's really not two parties except for the Washington Party, which is both Republicans and Democrats, and the grassroots Republican Party. So, what happens with an independent? A president, let's say, let's say somehow that he was able to to succeed and become president of the United States as an independent. What happens? Do does the Uniparty gang up on him? and nothing gets done? Or do the Democrats in the House and Senate align themselves? Is there a shift, for example, in Democratic policy where, because we're seeing actually some of that shift now, you know, now that the open border has had an impact on large cities and states, you know, that traditionally haven't had to worry about the border. Further complicating things is the fact that Gavin Newsom, uh, you know, so Senator Feinstein, Diane Feinstein, uh, passed away last week, 90 years old. She's, She's actually... Her daughter's been acting in, with power of attorney in her personal affairs for we don't know how long. So think about that, that she's been voting in the Senate while she's unable to take care of her personal affairs. Talk about elder abuse. We, the Uniparty is notorious for that. You've got McConnell is having issues. You've, of course, you've got Joe Biden. You've got, uh, well, you had Senator Feinstein um, many, many other people.
are being used. So one of the plots was that they would convince Kamala Harris to replace Dianne Feinstein in the Senate, which would be a downgrade for her. But one of the things that they really worry about with Biden is that with Kamala Harris on the ticket that that people will actually be looking in the election at Kamala Harris and not at Joe Biden. That they'll realize that the election, you know, the chances of Joe Biden surviving his term, I mean, even this term is suspect. But they know that the American people overwhelmingly do not want the president to run for re-election. And when I say overwhelmingly, a majority of Democrats don't want the president to run for re-election. And yet the Democrats have put the fix in. That's why Robert Kennedy Jr. is bailing from the Democratic Party and is probably going to announce an independent run. Democrats think that hands the uh, election to President Trump, and very well it might, because the progressive nature of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is such that you're going to pull mostly from the left side, and so you end up with splitting that independent vote instead of that independent vote going to going to uh, Biden. They go to Kennedy, and then, unless, of course, people are convinced that voting for Kennedy is a vote for the other side. And that goes for both sides. Libertarians essentially are going to be essentially aced out, you know, because Kennedy might be many things, but he's not a libertarian. Um. I mean, his advocate, advocacy for free speech is admirable, and, and I appreciate that. You know, the Lib has been, since we very started the very beginning of the podcast, you know, when COVID was just starting to get an inkling, and I remember very clearly, it was January of 2020, before there was talk of lockdowns, before there was anything, there was silence on dissent. And the civil libertarians were not speaking out. I remember it because I'd helped my son move out to Utah that in January. Or maybe it's February. I don't remember now. It was a long time ago. But I remember that the silence was deafening amongst civil libertarians. Will that happen again? I think that we're getting to the point where, no, I don't think it will happen again, but who knows? Let's see here. There was a... Um, um, Ibram X. Kendi, I think that's how his name goes, uh, the anti-racist guy. Um, his Harvard is closing his anti-racism department because they've spent tens of millions of dollars on grant money to the department, and there's not hardly any research done. Of course, it's pretty t- difficult to 
research on what the impact is of of uh, anti-racism. You know, where you're either racist or you're racist. And if you say, well, I don't see color, you're racist, according to Ibram X. Kendi. I'm sorry, back to California. Uh, because Gavin Newsom put himself in a box and said he's going to appoint somebody, a woman of color, to replace Diane Feinstein, you know, he searched far and wide the whole entire state of California, and there's actually a female uh, congresswoman, black female congresswoman that was looking to run to take Senator Feinstein's seat in 24, Barbara Lee. But apparently she wasn't qualified enough. In fact, nobody in the state of California was qualified that was a black female. And so he had to go to Maryland, and the head of Emily's List a Maryland resident and registered voter is going to be appointed uh, as the senator from California. Black female lesbian. Plus, she advocates for abortion on up on demand up until the time of birth. So she checks a lot of boxes. I wonder how that makes Barbara Lee feel. let alone Adam Schiff or Katie Porter, people who were contemplating running for the Senate. You know, I this chick that they've put in there is she's going to run, likely run for re-election in two years, which aces out Adam Schiff for sure, and Katie Porter is not going to have much better luck. After all, she's white. And so this woman from Maryland... It'll be the next, will be the uh, senator from California. Um, during the during the debate uh, or during the time of the vote for the uh, uh, continuing resolution on Saturday, Congressman Jamal Bowman um, from New York tripped a fire alarm. Now, this congressman, former school principal, presumably trained in, in dealing with fire alarms and, and evacuating buildings, said he pulled the fire alarm thinking that it would open the door and didn't realize that it would set off an alarm. Pulled the fire alarm. But here's another way to look at that. He obstructed an official proceeding, a vote to keep the government open. Now, granted, it's not a mob, but there's no question the impact. I've seen some people on Twitter or X, whatever it's called now, are using the uh, hashtag S30 as in September 30th, you know, like the January 6th thing.
Speaker McCarthy's move to to uh, have this CR may have cost him the speakership, although I doubt it. I think that the Republicans are rallying around the speaker against a very small handful who were against the resolution. After all, 90-some-odd Republicans voted against the CR, uh, required Democrats to get it through, and that was something that McCarthy had promised he would never do. And so there's that issue. Um, what's going to happen uh, in the future? I don't know. There's Matt Gates from Florida. There's talk about him trying to motion to vacate the chair, which, by the way, is being supported by Democrats. So you have to wonder what's going on. I would say this, Speaker McCarthy did not live up to his commitment to get all the appropriations bills passed. He should have leaned on the chairman months ago to get that done. Because if they were if they were languishing in the Senate, he could sit back and say, we did our job, where's the Senate? But he can't do that because they're not out of the House. Border is is running amok so bad that Democrats are now talking about needing to uh, actually secure the border. You know, and I wonder, you know, with President Biden, you know, as the speaker apparently committed to bringing a Ukraine uh, package to the floor for a vote. Um, that's not cool, but... If he promised the president that, he should do it. But here's the thing. I would offer the deal. I'd say, Mr. President, you want Ukraine funding? We want a firm commitment to go back to the stay in Mexico policy. We want a firm commitment that you're going to expedite asylum hearings for people here so that they don't get established in cities only to have their lives ripped apart if they actually follow the rules and show up for an asylum hearing and 70% of which are, are the, the asylums denied because they're not here because of, of violent threat of violence. They're here because they want a better life. Does our system need to be revamped? Of course it does, but we don't grant amnesty when you've got people that are waiting to come in legally. It's time to expedite those asylum seekers and get them out of the country if, they're not, if they don't have a justification for being here. Or better still, because of the, of the disaster that has been created. You seal off the border. You don't allow any immigration until you get resolved, everybody that's in-house. People are reporting that 90% of these people coming across the border are military-age men. Now think about that. How many divisions are four to five million men? 
if you want to look at it from a militaristic point of view. And the access to guns in this country. I mean, China could send over whole divisions of the People's Liberation Army in civilian clothes. They come over here, they get in touch with contacts already in the United States, they get money to buy semi-automatic rifles. And then what? How many divisions does the United States Army and Marine Corps have? Not that many people. And China's always been about give everybody a rifle, you know, you and all your tanks and such. There's too many. Especially when you have civilians that they're intermixed with. It's Snake River Lib. Have a wonderful day.